Chasing Podcast. My name is Arneet Singh. I am your host. Uh, thank you for tuning in if you did to part one. And uh, this is obviously, as you've seen by the title, part two, uh, my conversation with Andrew Nasargand and Sherman Yang. Uh, two people that I've been friends with since high school, Sherman even longer since I was six and she was eight or nine. Uh, we grew up next to each other, so we go back a long way. Um, we we just kept riffing for so long that I had to break this up into, into pieces, so I hope you enjoy this piece because it was equally as good as the last and the rest are just going to be the same. So on to part two. Well, let's talk about the orange peanut and the way that he's currently handling the coronavirus situation, shall Fine. we? Um, can I like can I like tear my own foot off instead? Can I like not think about this? So let me at least introduce. We, um, I wanted to kind of just touch on Trump and the way he's handling the crisis versus how other world leaders right. are handling the crisis. I, like I said at the top in in previous episodes, I lived in New Zealand for seven years. Uh, it's a very hey. forward thinking, progressive, socialist country, which is not a bad thing. You, yeah. mm. I would. I was actually going to bring up Yacinda Arden as my first point in you how put, you can run this successfully. Why are you putting the ya on there? Jacinda. Isn't it Yacinda? I thought it's it was... Jacinda. Don't Jacinda? Get all, don't get all exotic on me. No. I don't... I, okay, look, let's put it this way. I literally teach English, and I don't know how this language works all the time. It's <laughs> dumb, all right? Jays are somehow silent, then they're not. I hate it. No, Jacinda Arden is probably, between her and Merkel... I'm I'm convinced, thoroughly convinced that women seem to be running the show way better on the world stage than any man possibly. Oh, yeah. Dear God, they're better at this than he is. There was like an interesting study done. I don't I don't like I'm hesitant to bring this up because I don't know the study and I haven't looked up whether it's good or not, so it might just be garbage. But like my friend, because my friend told the study to me when when Clinton was running, and he's like, well, you yeah. know, it has statistically like it has been kind of shown that the fastest way for any government or country to like get more bridges built or like get more infrastructure built or like get things they want instead of wars is to elect more women. Like women just seem to vote for things that build up infrastructure. And, but well, I'm wondering if this is a chicken and egg kind of question of like, turns out more progressive societies are more willing to elect women in the first place. Therefore, they're more willing to... So I'm wondering if it's a... Don't get me wrong. I will be totally happy if just electing women solves all the world's problems because, dear God, I will do that every day of the week. But it's one of those where I'm wondering if it's because the society is already inherently more progressive that they're willing to elect more women to power and therefore they're willing to enact more progressive reforms. And less militaristic, for sure. Exactly. America's a very militaristic society. Which is hilarious that Germany is the least militaristic. On the, can we talk about that? It's the 21st century, and we're all like fine with Germany running the world. Germany, uh, anybody? On, honestly, okay, just Angela Merkel is the Merkel. leader of the free world for Merkel. all intents and purposes. Yeah. No, she, 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 she is she's the leader of the free world. That's yeah, great. absolutely. She's by far the leader in Europe, and I think the only contestants for who would be closer to leading the world would be like. Macron and like Trudeau and some of those other guys, all of whom are all working very hard to keep their citizens safe. Well, let's talk about Merkel for a second. So yes. she came into the year as a lame duck leader and uh, she, her political record was damaged by huge backlashes because of right. policies she enacted for open, open immigration for refugees mm-hmm. uh, during the Syrian war. And she isn't seeking reelection, but she stepped up and started a massive revival effort that's crossing international borders everywhere. And that's from Ivana Kodasova, CNN. 
She took all the necessary steps to protect her people early, even going so far as to recall expats to the country so that they could take care of them because, you know, that's that's wow. something that a socialist country would offer, wouldn't it? And now their death tolls are some of the lowest in the world. They consistently have been the lowest in the world or some of them. Right. So, well, so I'm actually, I don't know, I, I feel like Angela Merkel's response is exactly the response <coughs> I want out of a leader. If your job is to be a leader on the world stage, it doesn't matter if you're running for re-election next time, you owe it to your people mm-hmm. to do the best thing you can. And that, and that I feel like is such the response of someone who actually deserves the position of president or prime minister, because if that's your response is to say, absolutely not, we are fixing this problem, call them back, we are solving everything we can, and we will lead. That is exactly exactly the response you want from someone in that position. And Sherman's entirely right. She is currently, I would argue she is the leader of the free world. I think both of you are probably right on that one because that's how you respond to an actual pandemic crisis. I don't see how this is a question of just like, yes, that's, that's what you have to do. Yeah. I don't know. And I do see that as a woman being in power, having more, um, a, d- a different viewpoint, a different uh, approach to handling a crisis like this. I mean, more progressive countries will pick more progressive leaders and more progressive leaders would mean breaking gender boundaries, breaking yep. color boundaries. All I really like the point Andrew brought up where it could be a chicken or egg problem. Yeah. Does the, does the poison start with a country that is unwilling to elect a female leader or does it start from the fact that we don't have a female leader, you know? I do think it's a problem that's compounded by both of those things. One, one leads to the other or vice versa, but either way, you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't see you don't see progress and where it can be made. And that's, right. that's somewhere where it failed. The other world leader that we just spoke about, uh, Yacinda. <laughs> Jacinda Ardern, uh, Prime Minister of <clears throat> New Zealand. I definitely moved to the US at the wrong fucking time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell you're doing here with us. Everybody, all of my friends are like, come back. We'll welcome you back. <laughs> no, you can't go back. Why, would you, I, don't why you. would you leave the place that is literally Middle Earth, you idiot? Like I like, said, Los I Angeles. Los Angeles, land of dreams. Yeah, I, I didn't like that city that much either. I, no. I, I moved. vibe with you right away and like Los Angeles did not vibe with me. Any, any place <laughs> that is so sunny that I get suspicious with how, how sunny it is, <laughs> Already a problem. <laughs> That's a Seattle state of mind. That's a Pacific Northwest state of mind. Oh, no, entirely. But I will say, it, the the hardiness of the rain does make you appreciate the sun more, and that is also definitely a Pacific Northwest line. Yeah. No. Yeah. Especially during quarantine, when you're potatoing in bed watching Netflix every oh, day. Oh, and it's just like blazing at eighty degrees outside. It's, it's literally just looking at you and going, "You fat." piece of crap you could be doing so many better things right now and even before quarantine even before it's like the beach is right there i will say you doing don't rope me into this fat thing here i've been working out every day without a gym you don't don't pull me into your shenanigans i'm happy for you both on my facebook moulin rouge musical soundtrack fantastic for running Hey, there you go. Fantastic for us. Me and my snack pack are both very happy for you. <laughs> hey, I'm not, this is not a shaming thing. This is just <laughs> a, I didn't want to be that way. That is not a criticism of you, sir. You live your life. <laughs> you way to, way to save yourself. I would have kicked you out of the way. <laughs> and that's so, how I got booted from the podcast. So um, somebody who doesn't fat shame, Jacinda Ardern, uh, she has been leading, the, uh, leading New Zealand with empathy, in a crisis that tempts people to fend for themselves like we've seen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the great toilet, deba- toilet paper debacle of March and April 2020. 
people feel that Ardern don't doesn't preach at them. She's standing with them. One of the things that she does that I think uh, makes her really unique is that she's making liberal use of Facebook Live to do her briefings. Right. And it makes it really personal and it's a really good way for her to connect with her citizens. I don't see any form of that happening in the U.S. And that can only come, and, and she just had a kid and she's been in office for a year and she has more sense. That, that woman makes me sincerely ashamed that I'm within 10 years of her because I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what? How? You're prime minister. You're having a child. You're also the most caring person on the world stage. Yeah. You guided your entire country through the horrible crisis that was uh, Christchurch. Like, yeah. who are you? How did you do this? What is it something in the water you drink? How do I become you? Led them through Middle an eruption. Earth. Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Middle Earth. She's, she's just gained the power of a Lendil. She's just... <laughs> um, <laughs> Deep cut reference to the Cimmerillion, everybody. Um, oh no, Iluvatar. Dang it, I got the wrong thing. All right, anyway. Okay, um, Andrew, we get it. You're a nerd. It's fine. We know fine. now. I'm not. I literally don't have magic paintings on my wall. It's fine. <laughs> um, it's fine. They're just right there. Um, Learning so much right now. I, I will say the one, the one thing that's been super interesting about Ardern, one of my favorite moments of just like heartwarming moments from quarantine has got to be her addressing Easter for her younger citizens it, and like speaking directly to children in a way that's not condescending, but also not sugarcoating the problem of like, no, the Easter bunny might not arrive this year because you know, they're taking care of their own. It's like, that is such a good angle on, that is someone who actively is capable of talking to children at a level that is appropriate, is not condescending and is still able to bring about an actual change so they can understand, they can understand. And if we're talking about characteristics of a leader, you should be able to lead all of your people. Mm -hmm. And that includes being able to address crises with children and teenagers and people who are suffering through this. And that includes people who might not be able to comprehend the whole truth of the situation. The fact that she can do that blew my mind. It was incredible to see that. And that, yeah, you're right. The fact that she's using Facebook Live to directly talk with citizens. It's so much more personal and so much more real and allows for a greater sense of connection with the government and its response to this, which I just, obviously, as you can tell from my wording, I want that in this country. I'm not going to get it. But I think that response just speaks volumes as to who she is as a person and who I hope to, like, She's still young enough where we are going to see this woman for the next 40 years. And I am excited to see what she is capable of doing when she eventually joins organizations like the UN and things like that, where maybe she becomes, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Secretary General. There we go. Um, it inspires me so much to see someone like her acting so perfectly as what she needs to be. The fact that there's a severe lack of helicopter noises in the background of her briefings is kind of nice. It's kind of a nice change, right? It's it's better. It's certainly better. <laughs> I anything anything that doesn't bring up hydroxychloroquine oh or helicopter sounds or cheeseburgers, like just take those away and like I could probably cope with the orange guys so much better. I just don't want to think about any of those anymore. Drinking bleach. <sighs> Yo, my mom was having a field day about that in the grocery store the other day. She's like pointing at every single brand. It's like that one, that one. Should we get that? Uh, this one, this one, right? We gotta. This, uh, this one kills fat. This one's more effective. Hang on, I need like glasses to push up. Uh, Sherman, it wasn't actually ingesting. He said injecting. Because well, that makes it better. Like, that makes it so much better. It's, it's, God, it's so much worse. So. 
You just die faster. God, like I don't. You don't even have the chance to spit it out. You just die. Well, let's just let's just talk about what Trump has been able to accomplish in this whole crisis so far. H- hang on, I got so, I'm going to say this directly into the mic. Hang on. <clears throat> Nothing. <laughs> I would disagree. I would disagree. He's accomplished one thing. He might have screwed over his own reelection chances. Ah, there is that. Well, is let that. me let me talk about that real quick. So Trump, meanwhile, during this whole crisis, he's been actively preventing the influence of science and medicine in order to progress his political agenda. Yep. He has actually said that he sees the high cases case numbers in the U.S. as a quote badge of honor. Yep. Showing the success of the U.S.'s testing capabilities. That's that happened this morning. Not he's great. He's also alleged, like you said, ingest hydrochloroquine which i don't believe he is no, daily so I, no i don't think so either no, no and here, i talked to my mom about this again she's a nurse and so this okay. is her theory she thinks he's lying because she's like no doctor would prescribe that to him that would be a breach of their of their like their like their professional ethics yep. and he can't get that without a doctor so he's not doing it he's just they lying. hold the same level of leverage over the presidency as the secret service does their his safety comes first like, yep so get it oh i'm, I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure if the White House doctor was allowed to make a statement, he would show up and be like, absolutely not. I did not put him on that. That guy has absolute say over what the president ingests pharmaceutically. And if that guy didn't approve it, he's not, a, he's not right. ingesting it. That's like not a thing. Every other person, every other non-doctor, you have to get a prescription for any, anything you take. So yeah, absolutely. You're still a citizen. You don't just get to randomly shove drugs in your face once you become president. <laughs> we yeah. think, yeah. Well, now, and then to tie into talking about voting like we did at the top, He is now using the crisis and distractions due to the pandemic to further his political goals. Voter suppression laws are slowly becoming more lax as a result of political pressure, and Republicans have dedicated $20 million and recruited 50,000 volunteers to station at polls around the country to intimidate minority voters. And they absolutely will claim it is not intimidation. So let's put that out there first. It is intimidation. That's what it's meant for. They can sugarcoat it however they want. They can lie and say it's not. It's intimidation mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah, especially in open carry states. Like, what do you think they're going to do to intimidate? God, have you seen some of the footage out of, like, the fact that people were able to stand in the Michigan cap, or Wisconsin, was it Wisconsin? No, it was Michigan. It was Michigan. The the fact that people were able to stand in Michigan's Capitol building with assault rifles and bulletproof vests and ammo clips with bandanas and sunglasses on to block their face blew my mind. Like the hell out of me. If nothing, if no, if any image can communicate racial privilege, that image will do it. Any compare that to when black people get shot by the cops for like the slightest thing for jogging robbery yeah yeah or sleeping sleeping in your bed is also apparently a crime Ooh. or that time an officer shot into another person's building just because he thought someone was robbing the place and it was actually her that owned the home mm-hmm. without yeah. identifying himself as police oh there was also the time the officer went into a black man's building because she thought it was her apartment and shot him okay as funny as this is we actually can't do this i think without making all of us sad yeah. i well, the thing is, we're talking about something. That some... one did get charged. That one did get charged. Yeah, that's fair. That's but we are, we are talking about something that's real, and it really does yeah. tie into wh- how Republicans view minority groups. And, it, and it's not just about voter suppression. It really is about the entire thread of ideology from that group of people. Right. And it does affect the way that the election is going to come out. Like, it really is going to. And places like Georgia, where Stacey Abrams right. is you know, creating huge movements to, inc- to decrease voter suppression, to make it more easier for people to vote. 
especially in minority areas. Like, Which, by the way, good on her for establishing fair fight to keep going against uh, voter suppression efforts. That's amazing. And I'm super happy that someone's out there fighting this kind of stuff tooth and nail, especially in time periods where literally we are not allowed to leave our homes. Like the fact that they can coordinate an effort to stop voter suppression efforts, incredible. Good on them. I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. And the big thing for Republicans is they they know they don't have the votes, especially because of the way the pandemic is going. It's not in their favor. They're, they're smart enough to know that. The only way they can win the election is if they call turnout. Yep. That's, that's it. If people don't show up, they will win. Because yep. guess who shows up? Republicans. Every election cycle. It's the classic, like, and I, I think, I can't remember whether it was Trump or Mitch McConnell who said the quiet part a little bit too loud a couple of months ago, where it's like, well, if we do vote by mail, then we'll never get elected again. Of like, hey, you do realize that that's not a design flaw, right? Like, maybe you're just unpopular idiots who people want out of charge, right? Mm-hmm. It's... And, and you're entirely right. And this is, I think that's what bothers me so much is like, in a fair fight, in a straight up boxing match between the Democrats and the Republicans, round one, minute one, TKO, we're done here. The, the fact is, you're also sending the Democrats strapped down with weights, you're removing their gloves, like, you're probably getting them exhausted the night before, like, you are, you're not winning fair, you're not fighting fair. You're not actually attempting to gain. And that's what bothers me so much about people who are willing to defend Republican conservative politics at this point mm-hmm. is the, the knowledge that you can stare at this system and say, no, this is entirely reasonable. Like, no, you're, you're not actually playing fair. You're trying to cut our legs out from underneath us and pretend like you're the victim here. That's the only reason you're ever able to win anything. Yeah. The Republican Party has done this really ingenious, horrible thing where they have and they've energized their voter base to think that the moral thing to do is vote Republican. The moral thing to do above democracy is to make sure conservatives are in power so they can pass like pro-life things, they can pass like all these other things and it's worth it at any cost. And so when you tell someone who's deep into that mindset, like, no, you guys are doing all these things with voter suppression, that's like gerrymandering, that's undemocratic, like, yeah, but it's worth it because we need, to, we need to keep this country on the right, you know, on the right track. So I don't want to immediately drive this entire conversation off a cliff by bringing up the most controversial thing I possibly could. But I remember hearing about it one time from, I cannot remember who, but I think it was a friend who I was talking to where it's, it's essentially at this point, the logic is for a lot of conservative voters, and obviously not all of them, because there are tons of economic aspects, there are tons of different arguments that can be made. But for a huge chunk of the evangelical conservative Christian right, the logic is anything to stop abortion. We'll take whatever you can give us as long as abortion is stopped. You want us to gerrymander? We can do that. Will it stop abortion? All right, we're willing to. You and want that us to walk immigrants in cages, we'll do that too. And that kind of twisted logic lets so many terrible things fly because they keep thinking that if they keep voting, it's the sunk cost fallacy of if we just keep pushing more to the right, eventually Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Right. And that's the thought process for a huge chunk of let me be once again very clear with my terms, evangelical conservative Christian voters. Not all, not all Republicans, but for that demographic, that's a huge part of how they vote. Very depressing. Trump is doing nothing to dissuade those voters either because they're going to become very instrumental to how it turns out on election day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But talking about world leaders and how they're faring, we, we, we can see that Trump is highly ineffective in every move that he's making, every word that he says right now. 
nothing he's he's not helping his own poll numbers and he's not really the person that anybody's listening to no. who believes that science needs to prevail in order to fight this crisis so i put it to you guys who is america's true leader during this pandemic and i will we'll just go around around the room um <laughs> I have a couple of people in mind, Dr. Yep. Tony Fauci, who has been maybe the one person uh, who's been telling it, telling it straight this whole time, giving us the nitty gritty facts and what we need to know. Andrew Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. Uh, despite Cuomo. Cuomo, is it Cuomo? Yeah, okay. Cuomo. I'm just, I'm exotic. No, I'm just going <laughs> to sit over here and be smug about the fact that I just got you on a pronunciation thing. It's fine. That's fine. We're one for one. It's fine. We're no, good. We're fine. Um, but the way that, despite New York's high numbers, uh, in cases and deaths, the way that he's handling the press briefings. And he recently just got tested on camera to show people how easy it is to get tested. Right. Like that's, it's not something we're seeing from a lot of other political officials. Right. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor in California has been ahead of this thing for a very long time. He's been a little bit quieter in the press, but I feel like he is doing a much better job of just handling business in his state and mm -hmm. being a leader by example. Which really is, that's that's the way this country was built. I feel like you just everybody gets on the horse when they see somebody doing something revolutionary. True. Um, we've got Bernie Sanders, who I know you have a little bit of an issue with, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and just to play devil's ad advocate, but also because he is becoming influential, Rick Scott in Florida. <sighs> I do feel like we need to talk about him at the very least, touch on him. I I don't think that he's the leader that everybody's looking to but he is the leader for some people so it's if true. that yeah it, just to be totally transparent we'll put his name in there too but what do you guys yeah. think at least put the the michigan governor what's her name with Whit uh, whitmer. gretchen whitmer she has ah, to go on there. if you're gonna put the florida governor on there she has to go on there she has people you know protesting her and she's still locking down and isn't rick know. scott a senator nowadays he or am i losing my mind he's a senator yeah he's the former governor though yeah Yes, and this I, sounds accurate. No, I yeah. know Inslee has been very quiet about all of this, but I do think that Washington State handled this fairly well, given that they were the first outbreak. I was actually going to bring him into this too, because I will say, so Sherman, do you want to go first or do you want oh, to go, go back and forth? Okay, because I would, I would say, and actually this is kind of a proposal to both of you on this, um, I don't want to go on a massive conspiracy theory because that's not something I want to do. But I will say it is an interesting thing to see kind of a certain death of federalism happening here <laughs> where for some reason governors are now just the trusted which don't get me wrong effective governors are effective and i'm really happy about that but the fact that the federal government has just completely punted this is incredible to me don't get me wrong i think you're right arnie i think our leader tony fauci andrew cuomo jay inslee uh uh, Governor Whitmer, like these people are absolutely the ones in charge of this crisis. I think Anthony Fauci has been one of the, like if he shows up in Congress or on at a press conference or something, immediately I'm listening to him because I know he knows what he's talking about. All of the doctors who show up behind Trump, Dr. Burks, uh, I think it was Dr. Redfield who was in charge of the CDC, like all of these people I trust intrinsically because I know they have expertise. But it's it's the mass death of the federal government of like, meanwhile, while this is happening, like McConnell's pushing through, pushing through judges and like they're, what is it? Like they're firing inspector generals left and right. It's like, what, 
but so what you just Obama officials yeah well it's the yeah. they saw the opening and are like cool we can just get rid of everyone we wanted to get right. rid of them and attention so I, w- I would argue the most important people right now are probably, as much as I love Anthony Fauci and Burke and all these people, I think the governors have been the most important people in this crisis. Cuomo, Inslee, Newsom, all of these people who are willing to actually talk with their citizens, who do weekly briefings, who are willing to talk straight. Like I've watched, I think, nearly all of Inslee's briefings because they've just, A, he's a fascinatingly strange man. He is incredibly socially awkward. It's hilarious. But also like he's well-spoken and he knows what he's talking about. And he hauls in people who are parts of his administration who are actually know what they're saying. And it's been helpful. The one thing I will say with Inslee is if this crisis had happened before he started running for president, oh, he might oh, have had a better shot. Oh, yeah. Our, oh, our, old, liked Inslee. our old representative would have been president of the United States. Mm-hmm. That would have been incredible. I, my brother still has like old letters from him, like from when they had to write stuff to their local representative for like government oh, projects. Wow. It's hilarious. But, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like. He's a good leader. Yeah, but I, on I'll I'll throw that to you on that one, Sherman. But I would argue the most important people in this crisis have been the people in charge of their individual states. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, I I think there's this thing where we always joke as liberals that that conservatives like this like like their state rights and and liberals like their strong federal government. But I do think that everyone tends to like their state rights and be very grateful for them when you don't like the federal government. I think we can all say we don't like the federal government right now. We don't like Trump. We don't like his administration. So. I do think there's a benefit. Reason. Yes, I do think there's a benefit to having strong state rights. It's good that we have states that have a lot of things that they can do without running it by the federal government. So when the federal government just drops the ball in a crisis like this, your governor can actually handle it. Yeah. So Republicans, thank you for one thing. Yeah. I appreciate it. I will say it is thank you for one thing. It is it is hilarious watching all these people going like, you can't do that, and then actually being able to throw states' rights back at them, being like yeah. Excuse me, states' rights. We can do what we want. You're not our executive. Remember, if you told us that, like, you threw state rights at us. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna throw it back at you now. Oh, if you told me that I was gonna use states' rights as an argument when I was 17 to justify stuff during a pandemic, I would have punched you. Like, are you kidding? Funny <laughs> thing, because when like yeah, during the Obama years, all the liberal people, of which I'm one of them, so like all the liberal people I knew were like, okay, these Republicans, you know, these conservative people, they keep throwing states' rights. They yep. don't want to listen to the federal government. They don't want to be part of an actual, you know, country. Yeah. Well, they don't... There is some irony that right now we're like, okay, thank God for state rights. Well, especially during the Obama administration where it's like, we don't want to be a part of Obamacare. We don't want to start these yeah. these exchanges. Like, we have the state right to not be involved. And it's like, well, how about now, jerks? <laughs> when gay marriage came down, they're like, our state didn't pass gay marriage. It's like, yes, the Supreme Court passed gay marriage. Yeah. yeah. The Supreme Court doesn't care about your state's rights? Yeah. Oh, that decided already? Uh, pretty sure none of the justices care. Good luck. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. That was part two. Part three is coming up very, very soon. Uh, You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud, on YouTube. uh, And thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay motivated, stay sharp. Peace out.